0: This week, we will hear from Pastor Jason Malin on Freedom, the Parade. Now here is Pastor Jason. Well, hey, if any of the other children are in the audience, can you please go to the back with Pastor Heather? And they're going to go to their classroom, so I appreciate that. Uh, Speaking of freedom, man, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Do you believe that today? Do you believe that where the Spirit of the Lord is, that you have freedom? Amen. Well, that's what we're going to be talking about through, from today and throughout Easter is freedom, and I hope you you will meet with us on Good Friday. That is this Friday, April fifteenth, at seven p.m. And then our Easter services at nine and ten thirty next Sunday. And so I'm going to be in Matthew twenty-one. That's where we're going to be parked today. We'll kind of go into Luke, but why I go there or while I go there, I'm just going to pray, give you guys a moment. Lord, I just thank you for today. I thank you for this generation that just was praising songs to you. Lord, I thank you that what you're going to do today, I pray that your Holy Spirit will be upon us. I pray that I may decrease so that you may increase, Lord. And we'll make sure to give you the glory in your name. Amen. So I'm in the new King James version. So if that helps you, that's what I read out of. So if you have your phone, you could always go to that version. Chapter 21 in the first verse is now, when they drew near to Jerusalem and came to Bethphage at the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples saying to them, go into the village opposite you. And immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her loose, loose them and bring them to me. And if anyone says anything to you, you shall say the Lord has need of them. And immediately he will send them. All this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet saying, tell the daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming to you lowly and sitting on a donkey, a colt, the full of a donkey. So the disciples went and did as Jesus commanded. They brought the donkey and the colt, laid their clothes on them and set him on them. And a very great multitude spread their clothes on the road. Others cut down branches from the tree and spread them on the road. Then the multitudes who went before and those who followed cried out saying, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when he had come into Jerusalem, all the city was moved saying, who is this? So the multitude said, this is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth of Galilee. So if I were to ask you, what your favorite parade is, I'm sure I would get various answers, right? Maybe it's a 4th of July parade. That is your favorite. Maybe it's the Thanksgiving Day parade, right? That's a tradition in a lot of homes I can imagine that on Thanksgiving, when you just stuff in your gullet, you wanna sit down and watch a parade with weird balloon characters. And then I'm sure I'll get a little bit of people here. There's the Disneyland parade. I knew it, see, I knew it. They say it's the happiest place on earth, but when you leave, you're sad because you're broke. So I don't know how it's the happiest. It's happy for them, right, with their profit, but not for us. But the word parade is defined as a public procession, especially one celebrating a special day or event. I can remember when I was invited to ride my Harley, which I don't have anymore, in a Veterans Day parade with some of my friends. And I can remember that I just felt honored to be in this, to be able to pay tribute to all the veterans that gave up their freedom to protect our freedom. Amen to all those veterans, huh? (laughs) You guys are honored. And so as we stage for this procession, I can remember that there was motorcycles and we are what I was on we were in two lines and there was also uh, marching bands there was uh, active military holding american flags and their military flag there was uh, tanks there was old military jeeps there was hot rods and classic cars there was police cars and what was really cool is there was these fire trucks that had their ladders extended and they had this huge american flag hanging from their ladders it was a moment to remember It was a time when the the parade started and all the motorcycles started up at once, man. Now for all you men, you dudes out there, that was manly, all right? (laughs) That was manly, like you just like, once that thing fires up, you just feel the rumbling because Harleys are not usually quiet, okay? If you have real Harley, they are not quiet. And so you just feel the rumbling. You could hear the engines revving. You could smell the gasoline and oil burning because you can't own a Harley without a leak eventually. Yeah. I'll tell you that, I'll tell you that. <laughs> but they were revving and it was just a moment that I just sat back and remembered. And so the parade begins, and as we enter in, the parade, or the, the, the crowds, they start cheering. They're taking pictures. They're yelling to rev your engines. Their name, it's like just this screaming that's going on of people honoring vets that protected our freedom. This parade will be a moment in my life that I will never forget. And we should never forget why millions today around the world will come together to reflect on the most significant parade in all history. A parade where a king makes a triumphal entry into Jerusalem, offering the greatest freedom to all. This parade would begin Palm Sunday, or Holy Week, some know as Passion Week, and it sets the stage for what we're celebrating next week, and that is Easter. And in this parade, there will be multiple crowds, there'll be a mixture of people from all over that are welcoming Jesus. There were the crowds of Jews that were actually still live, or in, living in Jerusalem. There were the Jews that traveled into Jerusalem from all over. There was the ones that came just for Passover. Now Passover celebrates the exodus of the Israelites that were, when they were freed from Egypt. But this celebration brought crowds of people that never heard of Jesus. It brought crowds that they did hear about Jesus, but they were skeptical about him. But they would still pay homage to Jesus. Another type of crowd were his followers. They heard him teach. They watched him perform his miracles. Some were even healed by Jesus. Others witnessed Jesus raised Lazarus from the days just days or weeks before this. They don't know the exact timing, but it was just before this that they saw him raise Lazarus from the dead. But sadly, this would be the smallest crowd out of them all. There was the religious leaders crowd. This would be such like the Pharisees. These were the religious people of that day, and they cared more about themselves. This crowd, they didn't want Jesus because he would confront them on how they were living their life. He would confront their authority. He confronted their political corruption, their self agenda, their personal gain, the misleading of the people, the bad theology, the legalism that they brought, but he would challenge their sin and this crowd, they didn't want to feel that conviction of truth. They didn't want to have to confront their sin and change. So a great question for us asked today is that if this parade was happening today, what crowd would you be in? And we need to be honest in this moment because I'm going to list off of them again, and most of us are going to say, we're going to be in one and two, not three. The skeptical, confused or curious crowd, curious crowd not knowing, not really having to understand of Jesus. And that's okay. That's a great thing that you're here today. And I pray that the Lord will speak to your heart today and that you will walk out here with confidence of knowing the freedom that you do have and not being skeptical, a follower, someone that is sold out to Christ. Someone like we read about in those very few people that stayed with Jesus until the very end. The religious crowd. This would be your relationship with God has become more of a ritual than a relationship. This would be the crowd that had a self-agenda that has become about what is more important to them than people experiencing the freedom of Christ. These are the people They have lost the true mission of the church. And that is for people to experience the freedom that Christ offers to all. These are the people that have lost their first love. So what crowd would you be in today if this parade was happening? As we continue to reflect on this day, I can imagine when Jesus arrived in the village of Bethphage, he would be mounted on a donkey and start his descent towards Jerusalem. And as he approaches the gates, the procession would have hundreds of thousands of people, some waiting in anticipation and excitement and others skeptical and disturbed. The cheering would get louder and louder as the people started to praise and celebrate that their King has arrived. People would lay their cloaks and palm branches on the road. They would wave palm branches, signifying his kingship. And while they were celebrating, Jesus would be weeping and in sorrow because he knew Jerusalem's destiny. And that many praising him in that moment to accept the true king And the savior that they needed would miss their moment. Luke 19 41 through 42 says, as he approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept over it and said, if you, even you had only on this day, what would bring you peace, but now it is hidden from your eyes. Jesus was offering freedom to all who would trust in him. But the people thought that this day was a celebration for their earthly king for a political leader, for a military leader. They thought, hey, my king has arrived. He's going to lead us out of oppression and into independence and defeat the Roman empire. But to Jesus, this was a day closer to his journey to the cross. But this was also a day closer to our freedom. The people, they couldn't grasp that Jesus, the king that was sent, was sent to do even greater things than defeat the Roman Empire. That he came as the king of kings, the Lord of lords, the savior that has power over Satan, the savior that has power over evil, the savior that has power over sin, over death. The savior who could give you freedom from your sin and eternal life, but when they didn't see that he would lead them out of this oppression and give them their independence, the people praising and celebrating his triumphal entry in the beginning, as he marched or as he rode into Jerusalem in the beginning of the week, shouting Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, Hosanna to the highest would end. And the hero that marched in that day would become their enemy and they would be yelling, let him be crucified. So what makes this day so impactful to me is that Jesus knew this would happen. He knew all this would happen. The betrayal, the abandonment and the journey to the cross. And he did it because he loved us enough. And he would say true and trust God the whole way. John 18, four says, Jesus, therefore, knowing all things that would come upon him, went forward and said to them, who are you seeking? He was turning himself in he says, here I am it's time, but does your faith look the same when you're going through hardships, do you still trust him? Do you still know that God has a plan even in those hardships? Do you say that you have enough faith when you've been hurt by people, when you've been betrayed by people, when they've abandoned you, do you still say that I have enough faith to trust God in this plan? These are good questions that we need to examine ourselves with today. Another thought why this day was so impactful because it shows us that God uses ordinary people like you and me to achieve his plan. But for God to use us, it's gonna require our faith. The time of Jesus being incognito, those days are done now it's time for him to show the world who he is and so he lays out this plan for his disciples in verses one through three as they approached jerusalem and came to bethphage on the mount Olives, jesus sent two disciples saying to them go to the village ahead of you and at once you will find a donkey tied there with her colt by her untie them and bring them to me if anyone says anything to you say the lord Needs them. At this point, you can underline this, there's a lot of scholars believe in this point where he says, Lord, he's actually proclaiming his divinity. That's a little side note, study it, let me know. But that's him <laughs> proclaiming his divinity, okay? And he will send them right away. So Jesus would invite two disciples that he would see something in, but that also he would trust for his plans. He trusted him enough with this important job to make a triumphal entry into Jerusalem. But what the disciples would soon find out that getting the donkey was only a small part of this plan. They would find out that this ride into Jerusalem wasn't just their job or helping this, but it was something that God planned many, many years ago. Friends, the more you prove your faithfulness, the more that you prove your obedience, the more that you can prove that you are dependable, God will use you in a greater way and he will use you for his plan. But he needs to see that in you before he's going to give you more. Matter of fact, Luke 16 tells us that if God can trust you with the little things, then He will trust you with the bigger things, but at times showing our faith to God isn't easy, huh? I mean, let's be real. There are times I struggle with this thing. I'm not saying I'm holier than you, but I have to to admit that there's times I struggle with this. It's okay. We all do. There's times that we don't understand the why. We don't understand it. And that makes it a lot harder, right? If you're like me, ooh, that just rubs me wrong. I can't deal with that. I need to know the why. And at times, God's plans even is a little confusing. It's a little, sometimes, where you're just like, you know what? I don't get this. I don't understand why I'm going through this. At times, It could even seem ridiculous, but we still stay the course and we obey what God says. So imagine the disciples, imagine Jesus says, Hey, go ahead of me and get these donkeys. Now scripture doesn't tell me that he said, Hey, let's sit down and let's talk about this for a little bit. He just says, Hey, go get me donkey. We imagine them going like this dude crazy. Like we followed you all this way and you're telling me to go get a donkey. I mean, come on, let's put ourselves right there. That would be hard, but this is where it gets good because the disciples, they had enough faith that Jesus knew the why he knew the why. We can read in John 12, 16, that the disciples, they did not fully understand what was happening at first scripture tells us that they remembered these things when Jesus was glorified, meaning that they acted in faith. They didn't know the why, but they said, we're still going to go get that donkey for you because we trust that, you know, the why. And because of their faith. The disciples would learn that the donkey was not just for Jesus to make this triumphal entry into Jerusalem, but it was to fulfill prophecy. Verses four through five says, all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet saying, tell the daughter Zion, behold, your king is coming to you lowly and sitting on a donkey, a colt, the fall of a donkey. The whole reason we can reflect and celebrate this day is because God said it would happen. That's why we can sit here today and reflect, but they need, we need to understand that it was their part, the disciples part of getting a donkey. Their faith was critical to this day. And it was critical to God's plans. They helped fulfill prophecy given in the Old Testament by Zechariah. Zechariah nine nine says, "Rejoice greatly, daughter Zion! Shout, daughter Jerusalem! See, your King comes to you, righteous and victorious, lowly and riding on a donkey, a colt, the foal of a donkey." Christ used the disciples to help the people and give them a chance to experience the freedom years later after prophecy. And today we get to experience that same freedom thousands of years later. Friends, that is the power of faith. 2000 years later, we still get to experience this same freedom. Friends, if you don't understand, faith will change your family. Faith will change your friends. Faith will change your other friends' families. Faith will change the trajectory of your life. Faith will change this church at PCC. But we have to trust that God knows the why and have faith. So when this prophecy was fulfilled, Jesus was proclaiming his Messiahship to the people, especially those religious leaders. His actions were saying to the people I'm here and I am the king of kings and I'm going to offer you that freedom that you're searching for, but they had to choose to accept him and what he was offering or reject him and live in destruction, isn't it funny how it always comes down to a choice. Do you guys understand the power of choices? They are powerful. They had to choose. Will I accept or reject him? And something else though, I find interesting in this is why did God use a donkey and not a horse? I mean, let's be real, right? Let's go back to the Harley, right? I mean, they're just something when you get on that bike, right? Horses are manly. I mean, this big creature that you can see the muscles all bulging out and just this thing's walking and, and, and like you watch all these movies, right? They come on a horse, right? Sword drawn. That's what you would expect a King, right? Jesus comes on a donkey, a donkey. When I thought of this, when I was reading this, I gotta be honest, man. I'm thinking of like Eeyore, right? Like, a, <laughs> Hey guys, like this donkey just ride, right? Just like this little thing. That's what I'm thinking in that moment. When I'm reading this, he's on a donkey, but why did God use a donkey? It's because he it was symbolic of his kingship. It symbolized humility. <laughs> That's humility, right? Coming on a donkey, but it also signified peace. And if Jesus had come riding on a horse, his message would have been a lot different. His message would have said that when a king rides into a city on a horse, it's war. And that wasn't his message. His message was peace and freedom. Friends, I bring that up because if God would use two fallible men and a donkey on the most significant day and parade in history to fulfill prophecy. How much more does he want you to be part of his plan? When we believe and put our faith in Christ who died for us, so we can experience freedom from sin and eternal life, he will use you in his plan. He will use your past. He will use your hardships. He will use your experience. He will use your knowledge. He will use your passions to offer the same freedom and eternal life as he did to those people. He will use us to show his love and offer hurting people that are living in destruction, the same opportunity he gave to those people on that day of the parade, freedom. But you know what I see a lot, and this really hurts. As a pastor, all my pastors say, "You." Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Rick. I can always count on my man right there. <laughs> Is that people want the benefits and freedom that he offers, but they're not willing to confront their sin. They're not willing to obey. They're not willing to sacrifice or put in the work to be used. They don't want to put in what it takes to have a deeper relationship with God so that he can trust you more in his plans. Let me explain that for you. People say yes to Jesus and that is great. They say, Lord, I want you to lead my life. And that's what we want for you, okay? So don't think I'm sitting here saying that you can't pray at God, okay? Don't go there with me. What I'm saying is this, people pray a prayer and then they stop there. They stop at the prayer. And I'll tell you this, my friends, serving Jesus is way more than a prayer. Will it give me the freedom? absolutely if you pray, but it is way more to serving Christ. It's confronting your sin. It's being able to have the need of knowing that you need a savior in your life. It's you saying, I will follow you. As you lead me in the path. The Bible says that man plans his heart, but the Lord guides his steps. So we need to be willing to take the next steps. We need to be ready to be used like those two disciples. Why? Because you are part of God's plan, but. God's plan will always require more. It will require our obedience and sacrifice. Verse six says, so the disciples went and did as Jesus commanded them. They brought the donkey and the colt, laid their clothes on them and set him on it. So I want to point out a couple of ways the disciples showed obedience because. The ways the disciples obeyed is still the ways we need to obey today. Verse six, if you have your Bible or you're taking notes, underline these words, cause they're very important. The two disciples went underline went and did underline did as Jesus commanded underline commanded obedience. My friends, the two disciples went and did as Jesus commanded. They didn't challenge his authority or his plan. They didn't argue and get angry because it didn't line up with their agenda. They didn't think they were too good or not even good enough. They didn't whine and complain. They didn't say no because they didn't understand or because it seemed ridiculous. They had faith and obedience of what Christ commanded them to do. So when the Bible tells us to obey the commandments of God, this isn't for for, for him wanting us to, to have this miserable, boring life. He wants us to live in the freedom that he offers and not the destruction that the devil offers. That's why he gives us commandments. He's saying, hey, these are protecting you. These are the parameters for you because I want you to live the best life. I want you to live in freedom. That's why he wants us to obey his commandments. So we must have faith and obey. Why? Because he is God and he knows what's best for our life. That's what makes him God. My friends, as his followers, our motivation should always be obedience. Our motivation should be that we serve him in obedience because our love for him, not because we fear hell. It's our love for him. John 14, 15 says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. So may we have faith like these two disciples. May we have obedience like these two disciples. May we sacrifice. Like these two disciples. Verse six again says, so the disciples went and did as Jesus commanded them. They brought the donkey and the colt, laid their clothes on them and set him on. If God was willing to sacrifice his son, his best, then we need to be ready to sacrifice our best. See the disciples, they sacrificed their time for Jesus. It took time for them to follow him. It took time for them to go grab that donkey. It took time for them to grab that donkey and then walk it back to Christ. Following God will always require our time in some way. Whether it's prayer or studying his word to connect with him, it will take your time. If you are to mentor and disciple somebody, it will take your time. If you are to serve the world like he commands us in the two greatest commandments, it will take your time. If he says that I want you to love the people, it's going to take your time to love the people here at PCC and serve in our church. It will take your time. But are you willing to sacrifice your time? Or are you just content giving him your leftovers? Following God will require our resources. The disciples sacrificed their resources that day. It may be small, but they used their clothes for him to sit on and provided him the saddle following God will always take our sacrifice of our resources. And that's going to look different for everyone. I listed a few, there's many, but I have a few that I just want to touch on. Why? Because they're, they're big topics, money. Now I know that could be hard for some people when we start talking about money, but there's people here that are able to give in abundant. And then there's some here that can give small and I appreciate what you have done for our youth. I have seen this firsthand of the people that can give in abundance. Some of you have given thousand dollars. Some of you have given hundreds of dollars. Some of you have given $10, but you know what? It all matters. It all matters. Why? Because when you invest in them to send them to a camp, when you send them to a conference, all of these times matter for them. All of these times that you say I'm going to invest in these students and I'm going to give because I have the resources to give those times matter. You know what? They may not meet Christ that time, but I promise you he chipped a little way at their heart and then you're going to have the kids that come out and they're on fire for God because they met him there, but they may have not been there because you didn't give your resource. What I'm getting at, it's not the amount of money. It comes down to your heart. It comes down to your obedience. It comes down. Am I willing to sacrifice my two coffees that I could send one of these students that I could help the missions that I can give the kingdom Sunday. It comes back to here. My friends, it comes back to our obedience. It comes back to our sacrifice. It's never the amount our home. I'm not going to even say that some I'm going to say all of us could open up our home, hear me, you wouldn't have that home. You wouldn't have the finances for that home. If God didn't bless you with those finances to buy that home. So when he blesses me with something I got to say, I got to bless somebody else with something. And we could all open up our home, small, big, we could open up our home because listen, my friends, if, if somebody were to meet Christ and you change their life, isn't it all worth it? That your home was open. We can't let pride stop us. Our pride is this, our house is too small. Hey, have a smaller group. Our house isn't good. Our house isn't good enough. My house isn't pretty enough. Friends, that is pride. That is pride. I'll call it what it is because when I see our, our, our old senior pastors, what they're doing in Petros, when they put videos of people that want to meet God in such a way, they will meet under a tree, carve a cross into, and that is their church. Ha <laughs> that's my wife, by the way. <laughs> it comes back down to, are we willing to sacrifice? Are we willing to allow God to use all of our resources? That's what it comes down to. Because if they can meet God under a tree, yeah. they can meet him in your apartment. Yeah. But it comes down to right here. Our gifts. He always gives us gifts. Those are resources. Some of you are going to be able to teach the Bible. And that's going to be a resource that you can give. There's going to be some of you that have the gift of singing. We discovered that his friend, pastor Bill's friend doesn't have it, Rick. So, so if you're that, if you're that person, Hey, just save yourself. All right. That we need help in other areas, you know, you know, like no one's coming up, telling you like, man, your voice is angelic, you know, all right. <laughs> instruments, <laughs> same thing, instruments, but he gives us gifts and we get offer those as a resource to help. So are you willing to sacrifice for God? Disciples now have shown their faith, obedience, sacrifice, and now we will see that they give their honor and praise. Then the multitudes who went before and those who followed cried out saying, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when he had come into Jerusalem, all the city was moved saying, who is this? Jesus was welcomed with honor and praise from the disciples and the multitude shouting praises that was quoted from Psalm 8, 118. Hosanna means save now, save us. Son of David was res, was recognizing his messianic and his role as the Messiah. Blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest is what they were praising out to their King that day. Luke gives us a little more information than Matthew in nineteen thirty-nine through 40. It says, and some of the Pharisees called him from the crowd, teacher, rebuke your disciples. But he answered and said to them, I tell you that if these should keep silent, the stones would immediately cry out. The disciples and the, pre, the, the people praised and rejoiced with words of praise to the only king worthy that day. They honored Jesus by laying their cloaks and palm branches and waving at him on the road. Nothing would stop Jesus from getting praise and honor that day. The Pharisees tried to stop him, but Jesus would said, "No, I'll show you my deity." If I were to paraphrase this, this is what it would be like, even if you can silence the people. And they don't praise me. I have the power to make the rocks cry out. That is who I am. That is the name that I come in. So what does this show us? That our honor and praise are important to Christ. So they should be important to us. Our praise has power. Let's catch that. Our praise has power. How is your honor and praise towards Christ? Let me ask you, if it's not good, what has stopped you from praising God with your all? The Pharisees allowed sin. They allowed themselves to be blinded. What stopped them, their self agendas, all those things stopped them from seeing who the true king was. Maybe it's hurt in your life that is stopping you. Maybe you're discouraged with God because you don't feel like he's doing something in your life. Maybe your relationship has become a ritual. And please hear me when I say this, but I have to be able to speak truth. And this goes to all generations. What stops our praise is not the right style of music. How arrogant of us to not praise our king, the king who gave his life for our freedom, who would be beat, who would be nailed to a cross. How arrogant is it for us to say, I will not praise and honor my God because a style of music. Lord, Lord, Speak to us today. Nothing, nothing, nothing should ever stop us from praising and honoring Christ. I don't care if it's the music. I don't care if it's hurt. I don't care if someone betrays you, abandon you, you praise him. Why? Because our praise has power. We praise him. See, what happens is our honor and praise is about our heart. It's about us living a lifestyle, not a preference. We're going to search deep today. See a relationship with Christ is not just about our time. It's not about our resources. It's not about our money, but it's our honor and praise to our King as well. And Christ is the only one worthy of it. The disciples praised and honored their king that day. Do you honor and praise Jesus like he's your king? Do you still praise him like he's your first love? Do you praise him when you're singing those words of the songs, when you're praising Lord, I praise you, I praise you, do you really mean those words that you're saying to your king? the people, they started with honoring and praising Jesus, but by the end of the week, they would choose to reject him and live in destruction because of their self-agenda and expectations of Christ. That week, a nation missed their moment to experience the freedom they were looking for from a king. Don't miss your moment today. A king offering peace and freedom came that day you can experience that same peace and freedom that he was offering the nation of Israel that day. But only you can experience this peace and freedom that Jesus offers by accepting him as your true king and savior. So by the end of the week, Jesus's journey to the cross would end. And as he was beaten, spit on, and blood shed left to die on a cross. He would do all this for you, for you, for you, for you, for you, because he loved us enough that he wanted our sins to go away so that we could live in freedom. Zachariah would prophesy, rejoice greatly daughter Zion, shout daughter Jerusalem, see your King comes to you righteous and victorious, lowly and riding on a donkey, a colt, the foal of a donkey to represent humility and peace. But my friends, there will be a day that he will come on a white horse for his people. Revelation 19 11 says, then I saw heaven opened up and behold, a white horse, the one sitting on it is called faithful and true. And in righteous, he judges and makes war. What an eye catching contrast. One day Jesus will make another triumphal entry, but this time he won't be riding on a donkey. This time he will be returning with his angels, riding on a white horse for judging the world and war. He will be called faithful. He will be called true. He will be praised and honored as the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And every tongue will confess and every knee will bow. Why? Because God said it will. So you have the same choice as the nation did choices. How powerful are they? A king would come and say, I want to be your savior. A king would say, I want to offer you the freedom. The king would come to say, I want you a part of my plan. But you have to make a choice to see him as your King or see him as you rejecting him. But I want to be very transparent with you before you answer or decide on this choice, because today isn't just about you saying a prayer today. Isn't just about you leaving encouraged, but my hope for you today is that you recognize it takes more than a prayer to follow Christ. My hope is that you recognize that you are a sinner, just like the people Jesus was offering freedom to on the week of holy week, because when we understand, hear me when I say this, my friends, when we understand what our sin is doing to our life is when we fully understand the need of a savior. That's when here starts melting this right here is when it starts changing, when we recognize our sin and the need of the savior to take that sin away, to give us freedom. When you fully understand that is when you'll grasp what Jesus did on the week of holy week. The ones that love us, the ones he would die for the ones he would offer freedom from our sin, so you have a choice in this moment. I'm going to ask you guys all to, to just stand our worship is going to sing a song for us. And what I want for you to do in this moment is look at those words and ask yourself, do I believe what I'm saying? Do I believe what I am singing? Then after you get past that, I got step two. That day when he came in As a hero, it said they praised him. Let's act like the procession's about to start. And our King would be coming through that center aisle. And we will shout out Hosanna. We will shout out King of Kings and Lord of Lords. We will praise him like he is our king. We will praise him because of who he is. We will praise him because our love for him, not what we can get, not because of our agenda, nothing. We praise him because of what he has done for us and that is to give us freedom. You guys ready? Let's show the Lord how we praise. Thank you,
1: Jesus, for the blood. Thank you, Jesus, for the blood. blood. Thank you, Jesus, it has washed me white.
0: we just take a moment and let's just keep praising God let's just cry out to him Hosanna highest to the kings let's pray out to him Lord we thank you Father we praise you Lord we thank you Father for your triumphal entry we thank you for what you are doing on this week Father for us we ask Lord as we go about our week that we will never forget what it takes for our freedom that you will never leave us or forsake us Lord I thank you We cry out to you. We praise your name. Father, I ask that if people are feeling like they need to make a commitment to you, that they need to decide right now to serve you with all of their life. I pray that you will meet them in this moment, that your Holy spirit will continue to speak to them. We thank you for what you're doing here. We thank you for this week and we thank you for next weekend as we celebrate. You have risen. We praise you. We give you the honor in your mighty name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Portland Christian Center podcast. If you'd like to hear more or learn more about us, visit our website at pcctoday.com or join us for our live streams at 1030 at live.pcctoday.com